All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. It is going to be so nice to actually preach to people this morning. Um, But uh, I want to, real quick, as you're finding your seats, I want to give some honor where honor is due. Um, I'm just going to say it. Our staff killed it. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but for a lot of you, we had zero online presence, and we had about one week to put together some kind of scenario. And so I want to give honor to Marcus and the team uh, for what they did to make worship still happen. Uh, Lizzie up there in the perch busted her behind to make it all happen. So, uh, man, when you see one of our staff members or something, man, give them a little pat on the back. Tell them thank you so much because we really, uh, it, it was amazing. And there's actually people here this morning that are because of our online presence. I've talked to a few of them. And uh, so, so thank you for our staff. Thank you for everybody who, who made that happen. And let me remind you what we're doing. We decided that that's really something we should keep is an online presence because it gives us a chance to reach people. So what we're doing is this, is tonight at 6.30, there will be online church on Sunday night. So we have a new service that's launching tonight. It's on the online platform. So when you go to the website and you click on the watch online, that's where it goes. So it's a really good, easy way to invite someone. That's a soft invite. Right? You can check us out Sunday nights at 6.30 online. It'll have the chat room, the whole deal. And we'll have live people for prayer. I mean, so it is a live ability for them to react with somebody. So great way for you to uh, interact with somebody. While I'm talking about some of our um, media, pull out your phone. This is one of the rare times that, that uh, we're going to look around and people are going to be playing with their phones. But we actually are going to use our phones because we're not handing out any kind of guides. And we're not handing out any kind of sermon notes right now. Uh, because of social distancing and being safe and all that. So what we've done is if you have a smartphone and you go to the website, it's cotlakes.com, C-O-T as in church of the, cotlakes.com. And then in the menu, there's a little place that you can hit and it says e-guide. And in the e-guide is actually um, all the information you need for church. So instead of actually having a paper guide, you can have it right there on the phone. The first thing that's on there, it says first-time guests. And so if you're a first-time guest, we would love for you to fill out that little bit of information. All it's going to ask you for, name, email, and cell phone number. That's it. So it's really quick. So if you would do that, click on that, fill that out. We'd appreciate it. The next little piece that is actually on there is... Um, is announcements. And I want to talk real quick. The events are on there. I don't need to talk through them all. We want to get to God's word. But a big one I want to talk about is tonight youth group is starting back. So uh, we are opening up the Thrive Center for youth. And then just want you to know, we will actually be opening the teen center the week that everybody comes back from summer camp because they're still going to Camp Anderson. Summer camp is still on there. And, and all. one announcement real quick is the older kids camp stayed on. The younger kids camp got canceled. So Jen has been working on a retreat that's going to be for our younger people. We'll be talking more about that coming soon in July. Uh, so we'll, parents, we'll get information to you on all of that. But if you would, right there, down on the e-guide, it's got sermon notes. So if you want to take notes, if you want my notes, they are right there. Uh, so you can follow along in the whole guide. So we're just finishing up. If you've been following us online, we're finishing up a book of, uh, I mean, a study of the book of Ephesians, which was written by Paul, right? And at the same time, the kids uh, have been learning actually about the life of Paul in children's church. So it's been a, a sort of a concerted thing that they've been walking through all the hardships of Paul. We've been walking through a letter that Paul wrote. And so today I want to kind of finish those off and kind of bring those together today in a teaching today. And then next week, I got to tell you, I'm really excited. Invite somebody, make sure you're here. Really, God just like changed my whole calendar and, and everything I was thinking, next week we're going to start a, start a study of the book of Daniel. And it's called Culture Shapers. 
And the reality that Daniel was able to live in a pagan culture and yet still shape that culture. And man, what a time period when we are actually walking into election year. Oh Lord, here we go into politics, right? And all that sort of stuff and all this. What does it look like for you to actually shape culture even when the, uh, the culture around you has gotten crazy. So join us next week as we start this study of the book of Daniel. We're going to do that for four weeks. And uh, really excited about that. But uh, life has been interesting for the last few weeks. Right? Um, it, it's funny because, you know, whether you were essential or not essential, like for some of us, we felt big and bad because we were essential. <laughs> right? And then others of us are like, how come not? I'm not essential? Um, you know, we celebrate our, our graduates today, but little did any of us know that we were all going to be enrolled into Global Pandemic 101 this year, right? So much I think that we learned. So many good things, actually, like that we can take away, that the, some of the time that we had to spend, some of the things that we learned, we really don't need, right? Are there really not have-tos? And so I want to encourage you as as we're opening up here in Florida and as we come to the other side of this, that we kind of make sure we review and think back of some of the things that, that God has, has taught us. One of the things that, that we would typically say um, is, you know, nothing's sure in life. You ever heard that saying? Like, nothing's sure in life. But I would disagree because I have two things that I'm going to talk about today that I think are sure in this life. Two things. One is, life is hard. Can I get an amen? Right? Life, life, life is hard. That Jesus said, you will have trouble. You will have problems. Here's the other one that I know. God is good. Right? That's my teaching today. That, that's, that's, that's the lesson today. Life is hard, but God is good, right? And so I need your participation, especially kids. You guys are with us today. Every time I say life is hard, but I'm going to get you to say God is good. Does that make sense? Right? Life is hard and... God is good, right? But God is good. Life is hard, right? I don't have to teach you that first half. Would you agree? Like you don't need an apologetic to argue with somebody that life is hard. Like you've never had to convince somebody at work. No, really, you need to understand this. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. But the second half of that is the part where we get hooked up. It's the part where we get caught. It's, it's this, it's this struggle. Why? Because we get so focused on the first half, we don't have time to look at the second half. Right? Life is hard, but, and we forget because we're so focused on this. And so I want to, I want to kind of, I want to kind of frame our mind today. Every story in the Bible is, is, is about endurance. You know? When you look at every character and you look at every story, it's, it's about endurance. It's about overcoming. It's, it's, it's this concept of even though life is hard, God is good. Even though you're going to struggle, even though you're going to have things, how do we overcome? Like we sang, you're my champion. We're overcomers. These are words that some people are uncomfortable with because we have this Christianity version that is beat my breast and I'm supposed to, you know, and it's penance and all this kind of stuff. When John 10, 10, when Jesus said, I've come that, I've come that you might have life. Right? And life to the full. Right? And life to the full focuses on the second half of that statement. God is good. God is good. Right? We used to say, some of you guys remember, we used to say to somebody, you know, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Right? We used to say that to each other, to remember, to say that over and over to each other. And so I want to read to you a little bit about Paul. 
because kids, you guys have been studying about the life of Paul. We've been studying the book of Ephesians. And so I want to turn to 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 5. And these are some of Paul's last words. And he's writing to Timothy, and and you'll catch on to the fact that it's some of his last words. It says this, but you keep your head in all situations. Boy, that's a little more pertinent than it was maybe three or four months ago. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Boy, that hit me just this morning. I was rereading over my notes and that hit me this morning. And I thought he's talking about hardship and struggle. And what's the first thing he says? Hey, pay attention to the lost and preach the gospel. Like he doesn't say focus on your problems and all this. He says, I want you to focus on something else. And that's other people. You know what's amazing is you only have so much capacity to focus on so much at a time. That's the problem with why we get stuck in the first half because we're so focused on life is hard, life is hard, life is hard. I don't know. I can't do this. I'm struggling. We don't have time to pay attention to the fact that God is good, right? We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry for I am already being poured out. This is Paul. I've already been poured out like a drink offering. Paul, if there's anyone, oh my gosh, they can talk about overcoming shipwrecked and beaten and stoned to death. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right, of, of what this man went through. So if there's anybody that we can take this from, it's, it's, it's definitely Paul. I've been poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Do we have any finishers in here this morning? Come on. That's, that's what we're called to do, to endure, to finish. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all those who've longed for his appearing. In Hebrews, and we're not totally sure, but it's a guess that Paul probably wrote it. Hebrews 12 and 2, and I'm going to read it from the message. I like just the way it's paraphrased here. It says this, keep your eyes on Jesus. Life is hard, but... But no, I, I got to look up. I'm, I'm paying attention to here. The struggles and the issues and all. What does it say? Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. That's what we're going to look at a little bit today. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Where are you headed? What have you asked yourself that lately? Where are you headed? Not where do you want to be. Where are your actions actually taking you? Because the answer to that question probably hinges on which side of our teaching today you're looking at more often. God good or is life too hard? Is God good or is life too hard? Because you only have the capacity to look at so much at one time, right? Never losing sight of what was ahead, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Jesus could put up with anything, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, sitting alongside God. Jesus is sitting there. And I imagine it a little bit like this. And I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way as far as theologically. But but I just I just kind of picture because it says that Jesus is there interceding to, to the Father with us. So I've got this picture in my mind, right? That when you go to pray... That Jesus, you know, who walked around here, who went through everything, the cross, was beaten to beyond recognition. He's actually receiving your prayer and he turns to the Father and he goes, Dad, that, that, that was tough. I remember that. I remember what that felt like to be in a body. You know, those bodies, they're kind of jacked up. 
Come on, anybody looked in the mirror lately? You know what I'm saying? And the older you get, the worse it gets. And so can you imagine the creator of the universe confining himself to one of these things? And then he's sitting there and he goes, I remember. I remember what that felt like to be frustrated. I remember what that felt like to, to feel shame or regret or different. I mean, he was, he was tempted in every way, right? And so isn't it amazing to think that you have the son sitting there next to the father? Receiving your prayers and Wally prays a prayer and he turns and he goes, Hey dad, Wally's talking to me and bro, that was tough. <laughs> like, can we, can we work with Wally here? Dad's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But only because of your righteousness, because he sees us through the sun, right? That a relationship that, that is absolutely amazing. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again. What is that? Romans 12, renew your mind, renew your mind. To the reality. How often am I renewing my mind to the first part? Life is hard. Just about every day. Come on, somebody. Right? Uh, I get on Facebook and go, I'm feeling depressed. Somebody like me. Right? Listen to me. Stop posting your emotional trauma. Come on. Come on, because that's all about life is hard. And we're forgetting something. God is good. Right? Come on, somebody. Life is hard, but God is good. God is good. When you find yourself flagging your faith, go over that story again, him, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That's talking about Jesus. All that he went through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. In other words, renew your mind by reading the story and remembering that life is hard, but God is good. Right? If we don't get past the things... If we don't get past things being hard, then the next thing we do is worry. Do I have any worriers here? Don't raise somebody else's hand, right? Do I have any worriers here? We, 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 we worry. And worry does not, listen to me, worry does not fit into a life that has settled the fact that God is good. When you have settled the fact, the creator of the universe is He's good, and he's just, and he's right, and all things come in his time, all things. Then worry cannot settle into that same space, right? Come on, anybody worry about anything around here? Yeah? My, my, my boy Boudreaux from Louisiana, he's been worried about the coronavirus, right? So Boudreaux went over to the doctor and, doctor, I think I'm, you know, I'm scared about this whole thing. The doctor looked at me and said, Boudreaux, you're going to be fine. You're going to live to be like 60 years old. Boudreaux said, Doc, I'm 62. Doc said, you're welcome. That's $50, right? Like we worry. We worry all the time about so many things. How many people worry about flying? It's not so much in the air. It's the takeoff and the landing part. You know what I'm talking about? Like I heard the story of the person who's white knuckling it. You know, when it's taken off, you know, that whole takeoff thing and they're freaking out. And this little great little church lady sitting next to him goes, oh, honey, don't worry about it. When it's your time, it's your time. And the white knuckle person goes, I'm not worried about that. What if it's the pilot's time, right? <laughs> right? Like we, we worry. How many of you worry about your kids? Anybody? Boy, that's prevalent to me right now. I got a, got a teenager moving out of my house today, moving into her own apartment, all big and bad like, right? And we worry about our kids. I found this letter. I found this letter I want to read to you that a, a son wrote to a dad. Check this out. Dear dad. It is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my girlfriend 
because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Karen. And she, Karen, yeah, Karen. And she is so nice. However, I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings and tattoos and tight motorcycle clothes that she always wears and the fact that she's much older than me. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Karen said that we'll be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and has stacked up plenty of firewood for the winter. We share a dream of having many, many children together. Karen has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune for all the other drugs that we would like. In the meantime, I'll pray that science finds a cure for her diseases. Because you know, Karen deserves it, Dad. Don't worry, Dad. I'm 15 and I know what I'm doing. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can get to know my many grandchildren. Love, Joshua. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at the neighbor's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than that report card sitting on your desk. I love you. Please call me when it's safe to come home. Joshua. You're welcome, teenagers. You can use that one. Anyway, we worry, right? We worry, right? We, we worry about so many different things. And so today, let's study a section of the Sermon on the Mount, if you've ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to study a section of that to help us deal with worry. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you're, if you're interested in the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, there's an entire section on worry. And so let me read to you, starting in Matthew 6, 24. This is actually the verse right before, but I think the verse is very much tied to this whole section. So let me start. Matthew 6 and 24. Father, as we get into your word right now, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Give us revelation and understanding. Truth, God, that I would speak nothing out out of line or out of your will, but we would hear from your Holy Spirit. Speak to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 6 and 24. No one can serve two masters. I want you to understand the Greek word for worry is a divided mind, right? In other words, I got it. Oh, no, God, you got it. Oh, no, I got it. No, God, God, you got it. I, I got it. God, anybody? That sound familiar to anybody? Wor- worry is a question of Jesus being Lord. It's interesting. There's a prog- I've seen over the 20 years I've been a pastor, I've seen a progression of relationship with Jesus. It's real easy for people to come to the first part. And the first part is Savior. Right? We can see him as Savior because once I realize I'm a sinner and I might spend eternity in hell, oh yeah, I want a Savior. Right? The next stage is to come to the place where he's Lord. Where actually I become obedient to. Even when it's stuff I don't like. Right? Even when I read things in his word and I go, I don't feel the same way, or I don't like what that says, or I don't desire to live my life that way, but I make him Lord. He's in charge. And it's really amazing because if you'll come to a place of understanding him as Savior, and then begin to apply obedience so that he becomes Lord, eventually you'll get to the place where he becomes friend. It's a progression of a relationship that we might have with Jesus. Where, where are you today? 
going on with this. It says, for you will hate one and love the other. You can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, in this point, it talks about money. But the next verse picks up. That is why. So those words, like there's the connector, right? I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. And boy, doesn't that sound easier said than done, right? Are you going to take care of you? Are you going to let me take care of you, God says? And boy, that's, that's where it gets real, right? That's where, that's where it's no longer emotional, but it's real. Are you going to trust the principles I've given you in my word? Or are you going to trust your feelings and your wants? And the reality is, is the word says to us here, listen, you can't do both. You cannot serve two masters at one time. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food that's about vision? That's about seeing the picture bigger than just my little situation. That's about getting outside of just the life is hard, but God is good, right? Isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you, uh, aren't they far more valuable to him than you are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is no. But the answer, the other side, the other question is that how much worry can, can it take, can, can life be eat up of you? Like how much, how much time can it take away from your life? Right? And I'm as guilty as anybody. Anybody else? Right? Like right now, you can think of probably four or five things that's on your list of concerns, that's on your list of worries. And so we come to this place of understanding who God is. And yes, it's hard, but man, he's good. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers... That they are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. And then, ugh, why do you have so little faith? That's a tough, right? Why do, why do we have so little faith? And what a, what a moment. What a reflective moment for us to stop and really ask ourselves that. Like not just, not just do the church thing this morning. Why do, why do I have so little faith? Why do I continue to grasp and grab hold of things and try to f- work and fix it? Come, anybody else here a fixer? I'm bad about being a fixer, right? Guys, men especially, right? Ladies, you know, you walk in and give us something. We're like, I got it, All right, right? And you're like, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. I'm, you know, the whole exchange that goes on there. But why, why do we, why do we, why do we worry? Worry is trying to control that which is uncontrollable. Because if you could control it, you'd already fixed it. So that's, it's cyclical, it's, a, it's cyclical thinking in that we're never going to get anywhere. And I'm guilty. I have things I continue to worry about. And that I'm saying to God, I trust you, except in this particular category, right? Do you know, I looked it up. I was curious. So I, I Googled, what are the most stressed states? In the, in the United States. And I found it absolutely amazing. There's 50 different polls and all of them have different, you know, 
number ones and all this kind of stuff. But I was looking through all of them and I looked through probably 15, 17 of them. And I found a commonality that I thought was amazing. Some of you know, I was born in Mississippi, right? The other half of my family is from Louisiana. We're brilliant people is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, so Mississippi and Louisiana. And then in third grade, we moved to Florida. Do you know in every one of those polls, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Florida are in the top 10 of the most stressed states in the union. And as a matter of fact, when you look at it, the Southeast is the worst area for stress. We take more prescription drugs for stress than any of the others. This is an issue for all of us. I need you to understand you're not the only one, right? We, we are stressed. And yet, listen to me, Philippians 4 and 6 says this to us. Now let's get a little practical. How do we deal with this? Philippians 4 and 6. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, okay, whatever. Right? I mean, that's, that's our, our response. That sounds real good. That's a nice little churchy thing. Thanks, pastor, or whatever. I'm going to get some oak wood now. No. Listen, don't worry about anything. Instead, what does it say? Instead, pray about everything. Do you hear the difference? Do you know what that just said? It just said life is hard. You're going you're to focus there? Right? Or you're going to take it to a good God. Do you see it? Right? Life is hard, but... God is good all the time. God is good, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Now, listen to me. Some of you are like, nah, I tried that. Didn't work. Because you did that whole, like, last minute, God, I'm going to throw a prayer up, see what happens here kind of thing. And All right, well, I didn't feel anything. I'm out. That's not what this is talking about. Come on, that's that's not what this says. To pray, listen, and you look at the original language, is to leave it at his feet. It is to leave it at the altar. In other words, it says pray, go, and that stuff that you're holding on to so tightly. You're trying to control and fix and everything else. And when we go and we throw a prayer to God, we kind of do this, we kind of go, all right, um, fix that. Nope, didn't work. And what this says is, pray. God, I'm going to leave this at your feet. And guess what? When you go back and pick it up again, what do you need to do? Go back and pray again. God, I'm leaving it this at your feet. Forgive me for picking it back up. And when you pick it back up, you go back. And so what it says here is it's an obedience. It's an over and over and over scenario of us releasing what it is that we are trying so hard to hold on to. Tell God your needs. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Because life is hard, but God is good. God is good. So if we're going to put this into practicality, let me give you some practical. Let me give you three points to close. We're going to finish up today. But three things that I just, I want to give you very kind of practical. You know, I like to give you some kind of a a theological basis, but then I want to give you something you can actually do tomorrow. Right? And so so let's, let's talk about how do we do this? How do we actually go through this? And I know this is going to sound basic. But I think that the reason it sounds basic is because we've heard it so many times that we water over it now. Are are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm going to go back to some basics right now and some things that probably you've heard all the way back to when you were in children's church. 
But maybe you've just gotten older and wiser and forgotten. You know that whole concept, everything you needed to know about life, you learned where? Kindergarten. Let's go back to kindergarten a little bit. Number one, if we're going to deal with worry, number one, you got to get to know God. And for those of you, there's a little parentheses in the notes next to that. Maybe you need to put better in there. Because maybe you would say, I already know God. Like, I, I know a little bit about God, and I grew up going to church and all this. And hear what I would say to you. Listen to me. If you're still struggling with worry, you need to get to know him better. Right? There's, there's, there's just not room for those who grasp the understanding of how much he loves you. And how much he has, he's got it all worked out. When I stop and I look back through my life, and I think about all the stuff he's taken me through. Come on, somebody. Like we could spend the afternoon having testimonies of the struggle you were in and this place that you were in. You know what I love about this church? You are sitting next to some seriously jacked up people. For real though. Like people on your row got a rap sheet. You know what I'm saying? Listen. You know why? Because life is hard, but God is good. When you get to know him better. When you spend time in his word, listen to me, you got to read your word. And we say that and we probably don't say it enough. And we probably don't do it enough. Young people, pick up your, the, the Bible. I don't care. Do it on your phone. Do it electronically. Listen to me. You got to know him. You got to know who your God is. Because for some of us, we sing he's our champion. Come on. But is he? Is he the champion that's going to come to your, your rescue or your aid this week? Or are you going to do that on your own? Because I'm still holding on to it because I really don't know who he is. I really am not grasped. You need to get to know. Listen to Matthew 6 and 31. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly fathers knows that you need them. You know why it says the pagan run after this? Because they don't know God. The only thing they can do is go chasing after stuff of this world. Right? Although the only thing I can do is grab money and things and, 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 and you know, some kind of something to medicate myself, whether that comes out of a bottle or out of a needle or whether it's some kind of a sexual thing. And it's all because I'm trying to make myself feel better. Why? Because I don't know him. I don't know how great, how immense, how unbelievable my God is. And the only way for you to grasp that is for you to get to know him through his word. For you to see over and over again what God does and how he continues to rescue his people and bring them through things. He's got you. Like, I, I, I need to say that. He, he's got you. He's got you more than you realize that he's got you. You just don't know him well enough to know that he's got you. I can't say that again. It came out good the first time. Do, do, do you understand though? To, to push in, listen to me, to push in, to open your word, 
Say, who is this God? And who is he to me? And what does he say about my life? And what is my relationship to him? That, that I'm, that, you're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror, the word says. Right? The reality, when you know who God is. I don't want you just to attend church. Listen, I don't, I, my goal is not for you to attend church. That is not my goal. My goal is for you to know God. That's, that's our four values. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It starts with knowing Him. Listen to me, not knowing of Him. Not having a relationship with Pastor Mike who has a relationship with Him. I don't care if you like me or not. Come on, that's, that's, that's it don't matter. It's never been about Mike. This is not Mike's church. This is Jesus' church. You hear me? I want you to know Him. I want you to know him in such a way that you wake up in the morning and you feel secure no matter what you see in the mirror. Because this body doesn't define me or you. You got to know who your heavenly father is. Why? Because life is hard, but God is good. Number two. Number two, put God first in every area of your life. Okay, yeah, now we just sound like a good old Sunday school lesson. Right? But let me ask you, where is he not first? And you know how easy it is to answer that question? Wherever you're worrying. Because I've taken back control. I've taken back that, that I need to fix this and I got to figure it out and all this kind of stuff instead of releasing it, right? Instead of putting your energy into worrying, listen to me, instead of putting your energy into worrying, puts your energy into something God is worried about. You know the best way to deal with your problems? Serve somebody else. The best way to deal with your stuff is to go and say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing around me? Oh, that. Okay, I'm getting involved with this right now because I can't deal with all that junk over there. Right? When we put our energy into places where God is worried, guess what? He deals with your worry. He takes care of all the rest. That's what it means to put him first. Right? I can either say life is hard, right? And, and in that reality, what I'm saying is it's all about me and I've got to fix it and I'll do this. And what does that mean? That means Mike's first. I'm first. Or I can say God is good. Okay, God, I don't know what's going on over there. And my life is a little jacked up. And my family, oh Lord Jesus. And my relationships right now. And I just went through this mess or I, I, I got a divorce and I got this going on with it, and I just, uh, uh, uh. my focus is life is hard. Life's hard. Life's hard. Life's hard. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going I'm I'm to go to the bar because life's hard and a few will help me feel better. No. No, the reality, listen to me, the lie, the, the, the fact that, that your God is good and will, if you will shift and understand, if I put him first, it all falls into place. It says it here, Matthew 6 and 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Do you hear that? Everything that you're freaking out and worrying about, he will take care of. That's a promise. If you will put him first. Mm. Next week we start Life Steps and we walk through. No God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Some of y'all need to be in Life Steps next week. Right after church, we meet in there. You need to come join us in Life Steps. Let me walk you through these stages. Let us take you on a journey of understanding this is not a religion, right? 
It's funny because people will look at us and, and, and come and go like, this is a kind of a weird church, right? Pastor's a little weird, a little loud. Where's jeans? I don't know if that's blasphemous or something. Then you got the orbit lady doing meet and greet. Listen to me. There ain't nothing wrong with having fun in church. And the, but the reality being that we've got to turn around and really be the church. It's not about a tradition or a form. I grew up Episcopalian. I was in the Catholic church. I went to a charismatic church. I've been all over. I'm a mutt. I can do the Book of Common Prayer. If you want to do page 335 of the Book of Common Prayer and do the whole service and mass and the whole, listen to me. It's all stuff. If you don't know him, if you don't know him and then you don't put him first, it is no longer my life. I live. But yours, I must decrease and you must increase. Absolutely. Number one, get to know God better. Number two, put God first. Band, you guys come on up. We're going to finish out worshiping today. Number two, put God first in every area of your life. Number three, listen to me on this one. Live one day at a time. One day at a time. How about I'll say it to you this way. Don't open the umbrella until it starts raining. I mean, come on, how many of us? Oh, I think I saw clouds. Right? In our life, we live in fear. We live in what if, and we live in what if. And what happens if you open the umbrella and you don't get to see the blue skies and the beautiful birds flying on the day that he's given, given us today? Right? We live one day at a time. He taught us to pray. When he taught us to pray, he says, give us this day. Our daily bread. That's the way Jesus taught us to pray. This day, live one day at a time. So many of us are losing the blue sky. So many of us, the devil is robbing you because you're so worried about tomorrow. Matthew 6 and 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I found this quote by Jack Hayford and it says this, to live through a bad day, indeed to conclude it, is to place it in the hands of God and leave it there. My goal, my entire goal for this morning, here on Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles and introduced himself, that the empowering of his people. My whole goal today for church was that on this day, whatever you carried in, you might not walk out with. That you would lay it at the altar. That you would lay it at his feet. Listen to me. Palms up. Let it go. Let it go. Because I just need to testify to you this morning. God is good, somebody. He loves you. Listen, when he's not disappointed in you for the things you've done. So many of us are like, oh, yeah, but, and you don't know where it was. And you don't think God saw that? Of course he saw that. Listen to me. He's got a father's heart and a father doesn't get disappointed in his children. A father gets disappointed for his children. Because you have a heavenly father who has a plan and a purpose and a meaning for your life. And he's got this idea. He's like, man, it's going to be awesome. Like I just see God as as he looks at you. And he's going, man, I can't wait for them to fulfill all that I've got. I've got good things for them. I've got great things for them. And when we walk away and and we take control 
and we don't take time to get to know him and we, and we do it on our own. He's not over here going, oh, No, the scripture tells us he continues to pursue us. That's the love he has for you, right? That he, he's pursuing you right now. Some of you right now, even as I'm saying these words, the Holy Spirit's kind of stirring something inside of you going, you know, I don't, maybe I've never completely given my, my life to God. Maybe I'm recognizing today I've been, I've been a, a, a Christian for 30, 40 years. But he's not first because I'm still trying to control everything. And I'm so worried about tomorrow. And I'm so worried about my kids and my 401k, economy, the election. Lord Jesus, help us. I hope Jesus comes back before the elections. So what about you today? What, what's, what's your response to today? What the Holy, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? How do you respond to, to what God said to us today? Is it a, is it a first-time surrender? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that I really understood what I was doing before. Maybe you did pray a prayer. Maybe you did kneel when you were a kid. Maybe you did. But, you know, today you're, you're kind of just kind of going, holy cow, like God has opened up. Something's been, re- that's the Holy Spirit. Mike can't do that. That's the Holy Spirit revealing something to you for you to respond to, right? Or for you to say, I got to make him first. I got to make him first. God, I am such a worrier and I'm so focused on how hard things are. Today, I'm going to open, open up my hands. Say, God, I'm going to lay it at your feet. What is that for you today that you need to lay at his feet? So I just want to challenge you. I'm going to pray for you. We're not going to do an altar call because we're being careful, right, in this time period. But I will say this to you. On that same e-guide on your phone, there's a place for you to respond. There's a place if today it says salvation. That means for the very first time I'm giving my heart to the Lord today. And I'd ask you to hit that button and fill out just a little bit of information. We're going to help you on the journey. There's a place for you to hit recommit. There's a place for you to hit. I love this one. It says, pray with me that although we don't have people at the altar, you'd like somebody to pray with you. If you'll fill that out, one of our prayer team will call you in the next 24 hours and pray with you. Okay? Respond to God today. Are you you hearing me? Don't just hear the word. What does it say? Be doers of the word. What is it? How do you respond today? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for your word and the challenge you put to us today. I pray courage over everybody in earshot. I pray courage over those who are watching online. That we might respond to you today and do what's next for us to do. Thank you, God, for this day. I pray it all in the name above all names. In the only name that every knee shall bow. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Respond today to what it is God says. Hit us up on your phone. Let us walk through the journey with you, okay? Don't not respond to God today. Does that make sense? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond now to God in worship. Can we do that a little bit? We're going to sing that song again, that he is my champion. 
I want you to sing it differently this time, understanding the realities of what we have gone through today. So would you stand and let's worship out today.
God, we just thank you that you have conquered everything. That God, that we may leave today realizing how victorious we actually are. That we realize that no matter what situation comes our way, that God, you have already provided a way for us to be victorious. So God, thank you for living inside of us. Thank you for conquering everything in our lives. That now we can walk out of these doors stress-free, worry-free. And God, we can solely put our attention and our affections on you. So God, for every person in here, may they have a supernatural week. May they have God moments throughout their week where you speak a word of knowledge into their life. So God, we thank you that you have allowed us to come back together. worship corporately. So God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, so, so excited that you guys are back. So go with God this week. May he speak to you. May favor follow you. And y'all have a great week. God bless you.